The tables are empty The dance floor's deserted You play the same love song It's the tenth time you've heard it That's the beginning Just one of the clues You've had your first lesson In learning the blues Yeah! Old the blue eyes. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. One nice mix there, my another. friend. Won't help you forget I saw the story last week and we didn't get a chance to get to it, so I want to bring it up. Because I don't know how this happens. It's, hap- it's in Louisiana. Um, and there was a, it's a CNN story. So take that what you, with, 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 you know, with a grain of salt, if you, if you think, but I, I think CNN is pretty reputable. A lot of people give them a really, really hard time. I don't think they're, they're deserving of the horrible image they have, horrible reputation that they have. They were the original. They, they <clears throat> CNN was, as they say, OG. Yeah. Ted Turner, right? Cable yeah. news network. He was the first 24 hour news station. Yeah. It defined cable news long before the other channels came along. A lot of people think, too, and we can just sidebar this really quick. A lot of people think that the 24-hour news cycle is one of the reasons that we have so much, so many problems. Because it, it, it created the need to always have a sensational story. You know, you had to constantly be looking for things. You had to be, had to be dramatizing, sometimes beyond the points of... Of reality, not that they were making up fake news. I'm not saying that, but you know, sensationalism is the word I'm looking for. The the 24 hour, you you know, our attention span got shorter. This this thirst for always having something else to worry about was you know expounded from the 24 hour news cycle. And I'm not blaming CNN because they were just they were the pioneers of 24 hour news. But now it's there are so many 24 hour news stations. A lot of people think that's, that was the beginning of the end of real news, when the real news was only on in the evenings, like six, five, six, and 11 or whatever, and just a half an hour national, half an hour local. Then you can really get the stories that mattered, instead of having to fill so much time, mostly with opinions. That's really where we got into trouble, where news became opinion-based, with John Cherry called newstainment. Yeah. Anyway, this is on CNN in Louisiana. We're talking about Louisiana's prison system. 27% of Louisiana state's inmates are held beyond their release date. 27%, one in four inmates in Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, aren't released when they're supposed to be released. And you're like, what do you, what do you, how does that happen? How does it even happen? Louisiana Department of Corrections is keeping more than a quarter of its inmates beyond, behind bars past their scheduled release date. A U.S. Justice Department report said this. According to the Justice Department, between January and April of 2022 alone, nearly 27% of those released from Louisiana Department of Corrections custody, that's nearly 4,100 people, were held past their release dates. And we're not talking about a couple of days either. Of those held beyond their release dates, 24 were held 
at least 90 extra days. Our investigation uncovered evidence of systemic violations by the Louisiana Department of Public Safety and Corrections that has resulted in the routine confinement of people far beyond the dates they are legally entitled to be released. That's Assistant Attorney General Christine Clark, who heads the DOJ's Civil Rights Division. The DOJ began its investigation in 2020, saying the state's overdetention issues had stretched on for years with no actions taken. They knew there was a problem and no actions were being taken. The report cited a decade of systemic deficiencies in the state. These deficiencies, these violations are in large part caused by exacerbated, caused and exacerbated by systemic deficiencies in the LDOC, the Louisiana Department of Corrections policies and procedures related to the receipt of sentencing documents, computation of an incarcerated individual's release dates, and employee training. So it's all paperwork. They can't be bothered to get the paperwork right. Justice Department said it could sue the state if it doesn't correct these issues in a matter of weeks. Letter continued, but prefers to resolve the matter through a more cooperative approach. The Constitution guarantees that people incarcerated in jails and prisons may not be detained beyond their release dates. That's cruel and unusual punishment, and it is a fundamental duty of the state to ensure that all people in their custody are released on time. Ken Pestoric, a Louisiana Department of Corrections spokesman, said a statement to CNN that the department is reviewing the report and it will continue to work with DOJ throughout this process. Well, 90 days on average past their release date? An executive director for uh, Promise of Justice, the Promise of Justice Initiative, a nonprofit in New Orleans that supports and advocates for the rights of people in the justice system, told CNN that the report's findings are egregious and frankly worse than we imagined. This is what the Justice Department is here for, Montagna said. We've been shouting, we've been screaming, we've been crying from every rooftop. For advocates like us, this is validating and energizing to know that the full power of the federal government is going to come down here and hold people responsible. I mean, how do you not know when it's time to let let inmates go? If they're so overcrowded, if prisons are so overcrowded and funding is so low, how is it that, that one in four inmates are held beyond their release date and on an average of 90 days longer than they're supposed to be? And if you're an inmate, how do you not know your own release date? Shouldn't you be your own advocate at that point? I mean, how hard is it to get a calendar and put it on the wall of the office at the prison and on the uh, Friday the 8th, right? there, Tony, Tony's getting out. I mean, how hard is it to circle a date on the calendar when you're supposed to let somebody out of prison? I have a couple of suspicions on why this happens. The fact that it's been going on for, it's a decades old problem in Louisiana. And I don't know much about the incarceration process. I don't know much about the penal system in any state, thank goodness. Luckily, all the idiotic things I did in my life didn't result in time in jail. I have been in jail a couple times in my life, never more than a night. One could draw what conclusions. You know. I mean, what did they was, used to call that, the drunk tank? No, nah, hardly. Um, no, you know, I, I'll tell you. Um, I spent two nights in jail in my life, different states, one in Maryland, one in Florida. And uh, both of them were, were possession, simple possession. You know, I was, that's the kind of stupid kid I was. Stupid young adult I was. At one point, I was a, I was an adult. Would this be possession of something that is now legal or yes. not? Yes. I'd like my record cleaned up, please. Absolutely, it was. Absolutely. 
Uh, well, it's still not legal in Florida. That's true. In Florida, I could be working a chain gang. Yeah, Florida, bringing back the 1860s. That's what they're trying to do. Um, anyway, I got sidetracked thinking back to my night in jail. <laughs> I don't know how the prism system works, but I'm going to venture that if you're in a for-profit penal system, the longer you hold on to folks, longer you can charge a state to keep them, Right. Maybe that's one of the reasons that people were being held past their release dates. There was still money in it, the money to be made for the for-profit jail they're being held at. I mean, we as taxpayers pay for our prison system, right? And if it's a for-profit prison, that means it's a private industry that's charging the government to house its inmates. It's a for-profit business that's being paid by the government. Hell, if the Pentagon can lose a third of a trillion dollars and not know where the money went, I'm pretty sure in Louisiana it's not too hard to keep inmates past their release dates and keep billing the state. And I wonder if if race might have something to do with this. I I, I don't mean to imply racism, but I I would venture to make a pretty safe guess that the majority of those incarcerated in Louisiana are probably of African-American descent. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be there. These people were found guilty of crimes, and they're serving time in the Louisiana Department of Corrections facilities. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be there. Criminals deserve to be in jail. But they also deserve to get out. In fact, it's the constitutional right to get out when they're supposed to get out. And it's one thing when somebody falls through the cracks and, you know, oh, we missed your release date. We had no idea. It was a Shawshank. Was it one guy was supposed to be out 30 years earlier or something like that, right? Most most I know about prison life, I learned watching Shawshank Redemption, to be fair, to be completely honest. But this is a Department of, of Justice study that found a one in four Louisiana inmates are held far beyond their release dates. And I'm wondering if it's not, be, you know, no one's advocating for them on the most part because there are a majority of the inmates are African-American. And it's a for-profit prison system. So if the prison can keep them there longer than they need to, they're going to get paid more to do so. I mean, you know, systemic deficiencies. The for-profit prison system is one of the worst ideas we ever allowed in this country. It's led to corruption, mistreatment, bribery, abuse of people's rights, sickness, a myriad of problems. It was a bad idea to make prisons a profit center ever. That's That's a very interesting perspective, and I think you're probably spot on. Do you think it would be better off if the government, if they were federal prisons that were run by the government, not shopped out to private industries? Well, in most cases, they couldn't be any worse. I'll give you that. I mean, I'm not saying the government runs everything perfectly, but of the two, I'd still go with the the government. Well, let's take a look at things the government runs and things the private industry runs, right? How about health care? The private health care industry gives us the most expensive health care in the world. And the worst results for our money in America. It's a for-profit healthcare system, and we get—we literally pay more than anybody on the face of the earth for our healthcare, and we have the worst results, for worst return for our dollar. On the other hand, some providers deliver great quality. So some do. Whereas, it's always but with yeah. prisoners. There's not. 
here's the thing. There's not a market force to correct the private prison system because their quote unquote customers aren't the people they're ha- responsible <laughs> for housing. Well, you well, see where I'm going? With I, this? I do, I do. Well, the customers are us. Right. So they have no real leverage to reform or compete with a better private prison. Right. And, and it behooves the prison system to better serve the customers, the free population, by keeping folks in longer. Right. Although they are stealing from our taxpayer dollars. Right. To be housing people longer than their release dates at the expense of the taxpaying public who oh, pays for it's, it's absolutely total ripping off the taxpayer. But as we were talking about last night with the Pentagon, there are certain things that people are give less scrutiny to. And I think the prison yeah. system is also one of those systems. Because absolutely. rightly, yeah. we want to see, you know, criminals incarcerated. So we don't look at it as with as much scrutiny or compassion. There's been recent discussion about paying minimum wage to work that people do in prison. Should prisoners still earn a minimum wage or should they be paid pennies on the dollar? Which I think they are, right? I don't know, but somebody, somebody maybe could text us. Which, which is, is borderline slave labor. It is. A texter says that paperwork delays in the Louisiana correction system is caused by illegible forms. <laughs> the staff wasn't allowed to use it's a joke staff wasn't allowed to use sharp pencils oh my god how did i not see that joke coming that's a great dad joke great dad joke same same texture by the way and doug in vermont i'm not i'm out sorry doug in mount vernon vermont yeah we had an audience in vermont we're huge in vermont doug in mount vernon also said that that suspicious fire at the lake city day dog daycare was started by a pyrenees <laughs> I love a good dad joke. Oh. Uh, a texter says I was getting paid 50 cents per hour by the Department of uh, Corrections. Walking highways, picking up garbage as, in, as, a, as a prisoner. Hmm. Uh, people also say that uh, the healthcare system in the United States is an absolute joke. We do get the least amount for our money. Absolutely. Lowest lifespan, higher mortality rate than countries who utilize socialized medicine. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know, the, you're right. The for-profit prison system, one of the worst decisions ever made in this country. It probably, and, and no one advocates for prisons' rights. There's far too often the belief that, hey, they did something to get in there. They deserve whatever horrible treatment they get. Last time there was a significant push for prisoners' rights, Johnny Cash turned it into a record. A great record, too, by the way. You know, that's 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 part of it. It's, it's who the victims are here. It's the inmates who feel we, we feel don't deserve proper treatment. And look, it, that's one of the constitutional amendments is right against cruel and unusual punishment. Right. Well, a lot of people don't really care about no, certain right. groups of people. You're, you're I'm right. sorry. We, we see that routinely when it comes to the unhoused, when it comes to the addicted, when it comes to people who are perhaps mentally ill and having right. causing problems, social problems. And prisoners are one of those groups that it's not really popular to advocate for them. It's not trendy. So who's going to stand up and do it? Right. Well, these th- thank goodness this group in Louisiana that spoke up for these inmates they they came to their came to the rescue you know it's it's the same way we feel about drug addicts you know they don't deserve the the best care we can they don't deserve our best and that's just that's just wrong 
Well, for those people, Spike, there's got to be a man in black. Let's come back. Johnny Cash saying. Yeah, let's come back with a little of that too when we come back. Can you hear me knocking on It's Cairo Nights. Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. I'll be right back. Three inductees were announced today, or the nominees, I should say. Excuse me. The nominees for the 2023 induction of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The nominees were announced today. And I got to tell you, Matt, of all the years that they've had nominee lists, this is the first time I think that I think everybody on this list is worthy of nomination. I don't think I have a problem with a single member of this list. If any one of these were, were, were well, yeah, I think if any one of these were voted in, I don't think I'd have a problem with the list. And I'll give you a chance to bring it up. There are 14 nominees this year, eight of which are first-time first time nominees, first time ever on the ballot. Um, and f- leading off the ballot this year, the nominees for the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, Kate Bush. And this is probably in direct response to her rejuvenation of running up that hill, thanks to the television show Stranger Things, which brought that show that song to a whole new audience. You were saying the other night how a, a Depeche Mode song was getting fresh legs because of its inclusion in a television series, right? The Last of Us, I think it's called. That this. is The Last of Us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kate Bush is nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, along with Sheryl Crow. I think a very worthy nominee. Missy Elliott is nominated this year. And I've got no problem with that. Not my genre, but I know Missy Elliott has had a tremendous career. One of the pioneers of hip-hop. One of the pioneers of hip-hop as a woman, too. That's saying something. The year I got to go see the induction ceremonies for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I watched uh, Public Enemy. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I bet that was awesome. That was pretty amazing. Iron Maiden up for nomination this year. Nice. 
Here's what I'm really excited about. Joy Division and New Order. Right. Oh, my gosh. It is. That, that just makes me so happy. And it, it is. It, it, and it's well-deserved. <clears throat> you know, it's nice to see. So, people, I used to get all bent out of shape about uh, it's not rock and roll. But long ago, we figured out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is about music. All genres of music. And it's just, you know. So was your contention that Joy Division was not a rock band or New Order was not a rock band? Because there's a significant difference. Um, no, no, I don't I don't mean that they're not rock. I think they are. They're 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 a sub subspecies, subgenre, subgenre of rock. I mean Missy Elliott's not rock, but Missy Elliott belongs in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. As did Shaka Khan, as did Madonna, whomever else has been. Dolly Parton got in last year, man, you know? Although she did say she's been, she's always been rock. That's funny. She had a nice nice rock song she performed at the induction ceremony. Cindy Lauper nominated this year. Absolutely worthy. So is George Michael. Yes. Nominated this very year. Very worthy nomination. Yeah. I noticed it's not Wham, though. It's George Michael. Andrew Ridgely must feel like one of the saddest people on planet Earth. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder about that. It's tough when it went up. Did anybody buy his solo album? Did he put out, did he put out a solo album? I believe he did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> did I buy it? I didn't even know he did it. Um, yeah, I feel bad. You know, it's like when Springsteen was inducted as a solo artist. And it was a lot of tension between he and the E Street Band because at that time he had left he had broke he had disbarred the or dismantled the E Street Band. And was performing more as a solo artist down in L.A. And he was nominated as a solo artist. And later he was inducted. The, the E Street Band was inducted as well. There's a lot of bad blood between the band and he. And I, I hope there wouldn't be bad blood between George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. Uh, George Michael had quite a career outside of Wham! as a solo artist. To be fair, he really did. Next up on the list is Willie Nelson. Like Dolly, I would say he's he's oh, yeah. one of those icons that transcends genre. Also no. made a really good standards album called Stardust. Yep. Really great album, too. That's a great piece of work. Rage Against the Machine is the next nominee. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. Soundgarden? So, yeah, Soundgarden. About time. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I worry... I worry that Soundgarden won't make it in. I do. Um, they, they're no less deserving than Pearl Jam, and I think Pearl Jam is worthy. I think Soundgarden's absolutely worthy. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I, I hope I hope that they do make it in. I think they're very deserving. Next are the Spinners. You know, Quality. I think it's a Philadelphia band, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, classic the Spinners. R&B. Their most yeah. uh, popular song was called It's a Shame. Yep, very catchy tune. Tribe called Quest. Yeah, innovative, very unique, eclectic hip hop group. Yep, I'd say they they definitely deserve to be in there. And then the White Stripes, boy, and that brought garage rock back to alternative. Yep. And if you don't think Jack White is worthy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. Um. You know, and the White Stripes were a pretty, pretty innovative, unique, eclectic kind of a piece of, you know, the two-piece White Stripes. 
was something no one had ever seen before. And Jack White's musical genius is undeniable. So it'd be hard to say, it'd be hard to say they're not worthy of inclusion. And the last name on this list to me might be, I don't know, might be the most deserving of the entire, and I know this list is alphabetical. It's by no means, you know, um, that's the only week of the list to list out. But the last name I think is the most deserving of the nominees this year is Warren Zevon. Oh, no doubt that. How is he not in here already? I know. I hear you. Um, do you know if is, is there a set number of inductees that are uh, admitted every year? I mean, I know I know that um, like baseball Hall of Fame, football Hall of Fame, they don't put a cap on how many get in. I don't think. In some years, you know, only as few as one is voted into the baseball Hall of Fame. For example, some years are very very lean. How many people actually get in? And they're not trying to fill a quota like at least five or something. That's not that's that wouldn't be good either. Fans around the world participate in the induction selection process through the fan. There's a fan vote through April 28th. Fans can vote online every day at vote.rockhall.com. Vote.rockhall.com. The top five artists selected by the public will comprise a fans ballot. They'll be tallied along with the other ballots to determine the 2023 inductees. The international voting body of more than 1,000 artists, historians, and members of the music industry are who selects the inductees from the nominees. An artist's musical impact and influence on other artists, length and depth of career and body of work, as well as innovation and superiority in style and technique are all taken into consideration. Yeah, I can honestly say that for this year's uh, nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all 14 of them, I don't see anybody on that list that I wouldn't be proud to see inducted and think absolutely worthy and deserving. And I'm so rooting for the homeboys. I'm so rooting for Soundgarden. Just about do it for us tonight. Let this play out. Nice. <laughs> we'll come right back with some of your texts from tonight's show right after these. And Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We're doing Cairo Nights. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Yes, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees, Soundgarden. And yes, uh, texter asked, did we mention Willie Nelson? We did mention Willie Nelson. Another texter said, what about the amazing Blue Oyster Cult? I agree with you on that one. In fact, Blue Oyster Cult, one of the biggest snubs in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame history. EOC with... uh, 26 years of eligibility. It's like 25 years after your first release. Is that how they measure the rock? Something like that? Your, your eligibility for induction? Some of the biggest snubs of all time. Alice in Chains, Bad Company, Bad Brains, Bauhaus. That's just the bees. Loyster Cult, Brian Eno's not in there. The Buzzcocks. How about this one, Matt? You think the Carpenters are worthy of induction in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Hmm. 
That's a tough one. I mean, uh, talk about your influence on music. Talk about the style with which you did your job. Beautiful vocals. Absolutely. Karen Carpenter. Absolutely. A, a, a chick drummer. You know, no disrespect, ladies. I mean that with all the reverence it's due. Before Meg White. Right. 29 years of age, winning not a single single year where they nominated, not once, the Carpenters. You know who else you think is? that's because they don't appeal to enough of the hipsters and the critics to get nominated? Probably. That and the fact that they've been gone for so long. Karen passed away so long ago. You know who's not nominated, never nominated, not in? Cher. I'm predicting that next year Cher is the, the darling nominee hey, of I next believe. year's class. <laughs> Commodores aren't in. Dave Matthews Band's not in. Dead Kennedy's not in. Diana Ross is not in. I mean, if you're going to have Shock Khan, if you're going to have, you know, soul artists, and you are, Diana Ross, seriously? Faith No More, ELP, Flaming Lips. There's a lot of people missing from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But they'll sprinkle them in year after year after year after year. They'll make people happy. And they also love, they're trolling us, they love the controversy. Not a lot of controversy in this year's list. I honestly think this year's list has 14 well-deserving nominees. So who would you think would be the most controversial of this list? Of this list this year, probably Tribe Called Quest, I would think. I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not denying their innovation. I would think maybe Soundgarden would be controversial for some folks. For some folks. You know, a brief career. All, a far too brief career. Other than that, I can't think of anything that would really be controversial on this list. But like I said, I'm, I'm pretty partial to this list. Cindy Lauper might be, because I don't know that people would see her as having many rock bona fides. So some mm. of the purists might have an issue with that nominate. I don't, but I'm just saying that might be one that raises well, some eyebrows. one of our texters, Joe, says pop is not rock. I got it, bud. You're right. I, I get that. Pop is not rock. But then again, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they, they gave up any kind of shred of it's just rock and roll so many years ago. You know, I just, I point to Dolly Parton. She's not rock. There are so many people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's, that aren't rock, but they're innovative. They're pioneers. From the 206, people who elect and judge and put bands in the Rock and Roll, rock and roll Hall of Fame are silly. It's like, for yeah, fun. It, it it's is for entertainment. fun. Why, it's, I don't a, understand why people <laughs> get get so get their knickers in a twist about things like this. It's like it's fun. It's like the Rolling Stone top two hundred vocalist thing. It's something right. for fans to discuss and for us to celebrate music. And they like the controversy. Come on, you guys know they do. They got me so bad with that rock and roll. I mean, excuse me, the Rolling Stone two hundred list. They trolled me so hard on that one. I should be mounted above a bar in some guy's basement. I got fished so hard <laughs> on that one. Come on. Uh, we talked about, you know, guns being stolen from parked cars in Tacoma. And a lot of folks have, uh, you know, they have strong feelings about that. Don't blame the victims. Blame the lawbreakers. Of course, we're blaming the lawbreakers. In no way, shape, or form do we try to, you know, let the people who carpel off the hook on that story. I'm just saying, responsible gun ownership is is paramount to gun safety. Responsible gun ownership. It's all we're saying. And much respect to the gun owners that agreed with us. Yeah, and we got it was nice to see far more of those. Absolutely. Started the show with Frank tonight. Frank Sumrall from MyNorthwest.com talking about are there any movie stars left? And boy, people had great opinions about that. Absolutely. Uh, 
Mahershala Ali was mentioned that somebody we haven't mentioned as a true movie star, and he is phenomenal, a phenomenal talent. And Idris I keep saying, Elba would somebody, also right, be a right, name right. I would throw into the hopper. <clears throat> and I was told not to use the word phenomenal anymore, that I overused the word phenomenal. Well, you've used it twice in from the, past the 206. Five I know that's what made me think of it again. I remembered that the 206 said, "Spike, please pick another word, please." I'm working on it. Morgan Freeman, Samuel L. Jackson, Leonardo DiCaprio, fantastic guests. Leonardo DiCaprio has been strong since the day he walked in front of a camera. From what's eating Gilbert Grape to every piece of work that guy has done has been phenomenal. Been whoops, not not. I won't say phenomenal. I'll say brilliant. Oh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun talking the night with you folks. Denzel, Morgan Freeman, Julia Roberts, Hugh Jackman was mentioned. You know who didn't get credit as an actor and should have? Who's that? Elvis Aaron Presley. I'm sorry, people, but that boy could act. A lot of people think he wasted his best singing years in front of a camera. Elvis made a lot of cheese ball movies, but the kid could act. What's your favorite Elvis movie? Mm, I like King Creole. Love King Creole. Uh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I like GI Blues. You know, I like Blue Hawaii. I like Elvis. I'm a big fan of the King. Thanks for being a part of the show tonight, folks. We appreciate every time you come with us on this little ride, three hours a night. Matt, great work. My pleasure, as always. We will see you guys tomorrow night. Be safe out there. See you then.